So yeah, for those of you who don't uh, know me on this first slide, uh, sorry. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know me, um, my name is Ben. I'm the English minister at Home of Christ One in Menlo Park. And um, so I've been serving there around two and a half years now. And um, I'm originally from Australia and I migrated over uh, here to, to serve, serve at the Home of Christ. So um, coming here can be, can be quite lonely because uh, we don't have any family or friends here. I came with my wife. So um, uh, Pastor Phil was one of the first guys that I met. So his, his friendship means a lot. Uh, to me and my wife, um, especially because at church, you know, like it's very hard sometimes to share what's on our minds, on, on our hearts. But uh, Phil, Phil is always there to listen and to, to care for us and to give us advice. So I really appreciate that friendship that we have. So you guys have a really good, good pastor, Pastor Phil. Um, continue to, to love him, care for him, and, and treat him, treat him nice. Yeah, don't bully him. Amen. Okay? Don't bully him. So um, this morning, um, I'm going to look at a very impo- important topic. Um, it's in, in many ways, it's, it's actually a very heavy topic that, that's in my heart, but also it, it doesn't get addressed in, in, in the Chinese church. And, and that is uh, concerning the desires of our flesh, right? the desires of our flesh, and this constant tension that we experience in this Christian life between the old nature and the new nature. So we're going to explore specifically this morning one of the acts of the flesh, which is sexual immorality, all right? and how living by the power of the Spirit enables us to overcome any type of sexual sin. Now see, I believe if we're able to overcome this and, and conquer this by the power of the Spirit, then we're able to live out the life that, that is pleasing to God. So um, before we begin, let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this privilege and honour to come before you to worship you uh, so freely. Lord, we thank you that you work in us and through us and that your spirit is among us. Uh, purify our hearts now, O oh Lord, and uh, cleanse our hearts and, and eliminate any distractions that we have, Lord, so that this time we can worship you oh, wholeheartedly. This time we can come and see what your word has to say to us in regards to this very specific matter. So help us, O oh God, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm not sure how many of you follow the, the trade wars between uh, China and the US, right? But it's taking quite a toll on stocks, trading, investors, and, and it's, not, it's, it's having this widespread effect um, on all other nations. You know, I follow the news in Australia, and, and that's what our Prime Minister always talks about, this, this trade war between US and the China, these two big countries fighting against each other when it comes to trade. And there's something else that's happening as well. Uh, the riots in Hong Kong. You see the, the Hong Kong people having this tension with, with the Hong Kong authorities over this bill that, that, um, that the Hong Kong government have proposed. So this tension and this constant rioting between um, the people and the government. But what if I was to say that there's actually a war that is happening right now that is actually far more serious than the trade wars or, or, the, or the people and the government between Hong Kong. It's far more serious than that and it actually escalates in our lives. Now this war doesn't get any media coverage, nor does it make any headlines. This war is between these two nations, nor is it between two nations or political leaders. It's not over war or, or, or over oil, but this war actually wages within us. 
This war actually wages within us. Now what I mean is this. There is this constant conflict raging inside your heart right now. Now this conflict that's raging within your heart is not, you know, whether you like this certain person or whether you should ask them out on a date or where to go for lunch. This conflict is this one desire grappling with another desire. Your flesh versus the spirit. So this morning we're going to look at Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 to 17. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 to 17. So Paul writes to the Christians in, in, in the city of Galatia in Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 to 17. says this, So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. There are conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. I want to read that again. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. You see, right now, in fact, in all of us who have confessed and believed in Jesus Christ, there are these two opposing forces. One is the Holy Spirit who resides in us, and the other is the flesh, which is part of our human nature. So in your heart right now, there are two opposing forces, and in a way they are colliding and butting heads with one another. Put simply, one is for God, one is against God. Now whether that's in your marriage, with your kids, in your workplace, in your neighbourhood, your church, or, or during the privacy of your personal entertainment choices, there are these two desires competing for the control of your heart. And see, often this result is that this inner conflict that we experience as Christ followers is that we don't do what we ought to do. You see, the Apostle Paul, he describes this experience in, in Romans chapter 7. If you have your Bibles, Romans chapter 7, verse 18 to 19. Romans chapter 7, verse 18 to 19. The Apostle Paul describes this experience. He says, For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil that I do not want to do, this is what I keep on doing. Basically, the Apostle Paul is saying that nothing good lives in me. And friends, I'm not sure about you, but this inner conflict that Paul describes is what I experience on a daily basis. Every time I I, I wake up, this experience, this conflict is what I experience. Now, for me, this inner conflict is very apparent at Home of Christ in Menlo Park. See, at our church, we have many service projects that we do for the community. And a lot of these service projects require us to sacrifice Saturday mornings, like 7 a.m., 8 a.m., and we head out to a, to a beach to do some cleanup, a park to do some cleanup. See, I know, a part of me knows it's good for us to go through these things as a church. It's good to go clean up. It's good to, to sacrifice together and, and serve the community together. But the other part of me is, you know, has this tension. 
I can't wake up that early on a Saturday morning. I have allergies. I don't want to go serve the community. Can't Mother Nature take care of itself? I, I don't want to take care of planet Earth. You see, there's two opposing forces. To go and serve, or to stay home. Another way to look at this, is if you picture two giant sumo wrestlers, trying their hardest to push each other off the ring, or a tug of war between two competitive teams that are just pulling against two different directions. You see, every young man in this room, we experience this sort of tension when we drive. When we see the speed limit, we go over the speed limit. When we see signs that says, keep off the grass, or do not take. You know, all, all of us young men, we, we want to get, step onto the grass. We want to take. We want to speed over the limit. You see, this war, we are all currently engaged in. And as we aim our best to, to serve Christ and live lives of holiness, at the same time as we're on this earth, we're also at war with this evil power of darkness. We're engaged in this battle between the truth of God and the lies of Satan. So today I want to address something very specific. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, it says this, The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery. Verse 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery. Now you see, this sometimes gets mentioned at church, sometimes it doesn't. We see it being quoted maybe in, in, in some books. But this morning I want to speak specifically about sexual immorality. Now I understand this is a very hard topic to talk about. And some of you at this point are thinking, you know, I don't really want to talk about sex. I think it's very awkward to talk about sex. Um, but I think if our culture and our society is constantly pushing the message of sex, then I think it's very important as a church we address this matter. Why? Because first, it's in the Bible. Second, it's God's design. And third, if the whole world around us, if the whole culture around us can't stop talking about this topic, whether it's in movies, in entertainment, in, in, in our lifestyles, then the church, we can't be silent. So it's first important that we first understand that sex is not something that we just made up. Right? This is not something that the culture has just made up. But sex is God's idea. Right? He's the one who has created it. He's the one who implements it. He's the one who designed it. And if you study Genesis 1 and 2, sex is not a bad thing. Sex should be celebrated. It should be rejoiced over. And people participate in sex. God has designed the framework for sex. Sex is God's creation and it exists under the control of His authority. But here's what happened. All of us, we are born broken because of sin. So therefore, it's distorted our view of sexuality. See, what God intended from the very beginning for man and woman to come together in this special covenant where they promised to commit to love and respect one another and have this beautiful promise before God that I am yours and you are mine. This mingling of two souls 
This original plan by God has been distorted because we are sexually broken. That's why Paul addresses this. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery. So when it comes to sexual immorality, this term is used to refer to any kind of sexual sin. Whether it's sex outside of marriage, any engagement in sexual behaviour. This can apply to things like pornography, to seduction in the way we act or the way we dress. This includes adultery and anything that tempts us in any way to act upon the urges that we have. Now this is not only limited to our physical actions, but in addition to to all the lust and the fantasies that we have within our thoughts, from books, from movies to music, anything that promotes any sexual impurity. But if we look at God's framework and God's design for sex, He gives us these biblical boundaries all throughout Scripture, whether it be in Genesis, to the teachings of Jesus in Matthew, to what Paul teaches in Ephesians, there is only one proper context in which sexual activity is allowed. The one flesh marriage relationship between husband and wife. Any sexual activity which occurs outside of this union between husband and wife is inappropriate and sinful and therefore should be avoided if we are to follow Jesus. Now, why is God so adamant in protecting and setting up boundaries when it comes to sexuality. Why does the Bible have so much to say in this regard? Well, I believe for those who follow Christ, for those who have confessed Christ as a Saviour, for us to be caught up in any sexual misconduct, it actually deeply grieves the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit, as Apostle Paul says, lives inside of us. His presence lives within us. The Holy Spirit has made our bodies temples unto the Lord. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 18 to 20, he says, Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are brought at a price. Therefore, honour God with your bodies. What Paul is saying is that our bodies are temple of the Holy Spirit who resides and lives within us. In other words, a new landlord has moved in and has taken over management. We're not on our own. We, in fact, have this special union with Christ. And because of this special union that our bodies now have with Christ, it's incompatible with sin but particularly with sexual sin. Because sexual union has a spiritual component. So any sexual activity outside of marriage is both sin against Christ and one's own body. So one cannot simply do what they feel like or simply because the culture around them says that it's okay. See, this sin in particular affects our whole being because our being belongs to God. Now, to be honest, this is a personal struggle that I've had. This is a personal struggle that I've had growing up and even I continue to have. You know, back then I remember when I was in youth group, I would often argue with my parents and and my youth leaders that, hey, it's okay to watch porn. It's okay to engage in this behaviour with other people because everyone around me is saying that it's okay. It's very natural to act upon our urges. 
See, I remember countless of arguments and debates with them over issues like this. But one day as I grew my faith, I understood that my body doesn't belong to me. I can't just act out every inner urge that I have or desire that I have just because my friends or society says that it's okay. I had to realize that my body, my whole being was brought at a price. Christ and His blood has purchased me and I need to exercise proper stewardship over my own body. And in relation to any sexual activity, the Bible clearly teaches that it's always within the context of union. And that union is marriage between husband and wife. Now I want to say that if any of you struggle with sexual temptation, whether it's fantasies, whether it's acting it out, or whether it's watching porn, don't ever feel like you're a lost cause or that you're not a good Christian. No. You know, I once heard a pastor say this. He says a Christian is not a person who experiences no bad desires. A Christian is a person who is at war with those desires. A Christian is a person who is at war with those desires. You see, the conflict that you face within your soul, this conflict between doing what is good and, and, and this conflict of not, and not acting about our urges, is not all bad. I would be more worried if today that you don't even feel that there is this tension within you. I would be very worried if you don't feel that you're not tempted in any way and, and that this tension does not exist in your heart. Because it means that the flesh has won the battle and has occupied every area of your heart. So I praise God if, if today you have this war within you. Because it means that somewhere inside of you, the spirit is battling this flesh. You experience this tension. And you have the same struggle with the Apostle Paul when he says, the good I want to do, I do not do. But the evil that I do not want to do, I end up doing. So take heart and be encouraged that your soul today actually feels like this battlefield. And not only are we in this battlefield, but I want to say at this moment that God has given us aid in this battlefield. We have this power within. We have this power that comes externally and comes within. And that is the power of the Holy Spirit. Alright? In Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, it says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. This power comes externally and comes into us and lives and resides in us and gives us the power to fight off every urge that we have. Verse 25 says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. You see, the aid that God has given us is the Spirit. And the Spirit enables us to overcome any temptation that we face over the flesh. So we ought to keep in step with the Spirit. You see, the verb translated keep in step is like this military term. Drawn up to line, to stand in a row. You see, in the military, they will line up in their ranks and files. They would stay in line as they marched onwards. They not only marched in formation, but they would also run in formation. See, the commanding officer, he'll give them this direction and they will just take the order. The only thing that they need to do is to learn to keep in step in time. Have you guys ever seen the Iwana kids? And when they walk into the social hall, they all grab this rope and the leaders lead them into the hall. 
especially the really young ones. It's the same way in the Christian life. The Holy Spirit is God's drill sergeant. And it's His job to keep us in line, walking in step with the Spirit. You see, the Spirit, what He does is that He points us to His Word. The Spirit points us to pray when we are faced with temptation. The Spirit points us to devote time and to focus on God. The Spirit points us to say no when temptation comes. The Spirit points us to a different direction when we are about to fall into temptation. See, another way to look at this command by keeping in step with the Spirit is in philosophical circles. See, this word was used to mean follow someone's philosophical principles. Like many Greeks that will follow Aristotle or Plato or the Chinese will follow Confucius. See, this idea of keeping in step suggested this idea of discipleship. So in a way, we are following the ways of the Holy Spirit. We are under His discipleship. The Spirit also is concerned about the community in which He has placed us. You see, the Spirit never goes about His own things. He points us to Jesus. He points us to cry, Abba, Father. He points us and teaches us teaches us that we are in relationship to the Father. And He makes us aware that we're not alone, but we're walking in the community of believers. You see, the good news is this. When it comes to any sexual temptation that we face, we are not alone. We are running alongside one another. Our brothers and sisters are right beside us. You see, um, this is something that the, the, the Chinese church from my experience, I'm not saying for this church, but from my experience has failed. We, we have this culture where we're so ashamed to talk about things like sex or temptation. And I remember um, when I was in, in college, back at my home church, one of our young adult brothers, he wanted to start this purity group, all right, where us men will keep each other accountable and, and over the things that we see and over the things that we say over the things that we do. And um, so he started this group called the Purity Group. And the pastor, which is my dad, he came to me and he says, Ben, you really need to change the word to this group. You need to change the name to this group. And I said, why? Why, why, why can't we just call it Purity Group? Call it for what it is. It's a purity group where we're trying to keep each other sexually pure. And he says, because a lot of members at church are saying that there's something wrong with this group. I said, what do you mean there's something wrong with this group? And he says, in Chinese, and he says, why, why do you have to call a purity group? Please change the name to men's group. And I was thinking, this is, see, this is the, 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 the culture of the Chinese church. You know, we can't form these groups in, in, in full safety and, and we can't because the culture is saying this is, this is strange to talk about. This is weird to talk about. But you see, what the church is called to do is to help create this supporting and encouraging community where those who have fallen in sexual sin, those who are struggling with sexual sin, are able to look to their community of Christ believers and are able to find refuge and are able to find help when it comes to struggles that they face. You know, at church, you know, if Pastor Phil says, and put your hands up if we're struggling with time management. Right? Most people put their hands up. But if Pastor Phil said, put your hands up if you watch porn. 
Not many people will raise their hands. Probably none. Because we've had this culture where it's shameful to talk about these things, where, where people are not comfortable in sharing, sharing about these struggles. See, what we ought to do as a church is to be able to create this environment where we're able to just confess with one another and trust one another with these information. See, I remember ministering to a bunch of brothers in my old church, right? See, a couple of them approached me saying, they want to meet at my house. So I said, okay, that evening, they're like, but we can't have your wife there. So I was like, okay, okay, fine, fine, fine. Come, come over to my house. Um, that evening, six college guys approached me and, and they came to my house and they started to open up about the fact that they watch pornography. How it made them feel alienated, how it made them feel misunderstood, rejected, alone. And I remember that day very vividly. A whole bunch of college guys in my house crying. These guys, right, would not cry over anything else, but these guys were crying because of their struggle with pornography and how it made them feel separated from the closest people in their lives. And that's the type of community that we want to create. See, I remember that evening, I reminded them that God has placed us in this church because He knows our journey to sexual purity is this community project. It's a community project. Ephesians 4.16 talks about every joint that is this part of this body of Christ grows to maturity. It is every joint that is part of this body of Christ that grows to maturity. You see, if you and I, we want to walk in sexually, if we want to be sexually pure and walk in holiness, then we need people around us to see ourselves in ways that sin blinds us to. If you want to win this battle, then you need people in your life to tell you, hey, what are you doing? This is not the way you're supposed to live. Hey, what are you doing? Let's catch up. Let's, let's fight this temptation together. You need, you need people to pray for you. You need people to encourage you. You need people to lift you up when you're weak. And you need people in your life to constantly remind you that the gospel of Jesus Christ and what he has done through his grace. So, in regards to sexual purity, I want to leave you guys with some implications. First, if you do struggle with this, you need to come before God. First and foremost, you need to come before God and ask for help. You need to recognize that, hey, I do have this problem. I do struggle with lust. I do struggle with my eyes wandering. I do struggle with pornography. I do struggle with sex outside of marriage. Come before God and confess that to me. The Christian, the one who succeeds, is the one who recognizes that he has sin. That there is a conflict waging within. So ask God this morning to open your eyes so that you can see the sins that are dwelling inside of you. A slave trader and the writer of Amazing Grace, he once said this, John Newton. He says, The Christian life can be successfully lived out by one who has looked into the pit of sin in his own heart and he has found evil deep down in the core of his being. Second, ask yourself, where and how do you find, how do you set yourself up for failure? Ask yourself, where do you set yourself up for failure? 
When do you tend to make these foolish choices? Maybe it's late at night. Maybe it's when no one's looking. Maybe it's when you're with your girlfriend by yourself. Maybe it's a show that you've been watching lately. And it's kind of causing you to head towards the wrong direction. Maybe it's too much YouTube, where one video clip leads to another, and it progresses down that path. Maybe you're being complacent in your devotional life in your control of your screen time on your phone. So your mind starts to wander. Ask yourself, where do you set yourself up for failure? Address those issues. Third, remember that we have this new status that we have been given in Christ. There is a war, there is this conflict, but we belong to this new creation. We are in the Spirit and the Spirit is indwelling in us. And we have this higher power that is available to us. You see, the reality is this. God has called each and every one of us to live in this society, in this culture, where temptation is all around us. But we are called to run away from these thoughts and desires. And when we run, we are acknowledging that, hey, sin is still present, sin still lives on, but ultimately, it is God who can deliver us. Ultimately, we need to run to God for help. So as I conclude this morning, the culture around us finds dying to sin, overcoming it by the Spirit, unattainable or unrealistic. Because for those who don't believe in Christ, they don't believe there is this higher power. They don't believe that one's strength and own will is the only thing. They they only believe that one's strength and one will is, is, is the only way to overcome these things. Or maybe all such sexual desires are a human nature and cannot be altered or overcome. So for the sake of your emotional health, you simply need to give in and express them in whatever way you find most satisfying. But the Word of God has something else to say. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 29, it says this. Paul says to the Colossians, To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. You see, Paul's belief is that the Christian is energized and empowered by the Holy Spirit. No desire or urge or passion that we experience in us cannot be conquered because we have Christ and His Spirit working in us. In Titus chapter 2, verse 11 to 12, Titus chapter 2, verse 11 to 12, it says this, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. So as I examine my own life, you know, I don't have to look far and look at someone else's life to know what sin is. See, I constantly lose this battle myself. It's this constant struggle that I face. I just need to look to my own heart and examine my own life. The own passions that I have, the own selfish desires that I have. And it's a genuine struggle, I'm not going to deny it. And I long to be delivered one day by the grace of God. But I have no desire to affirm any of this evilness within me. And I need to choose each and every day as I wake up to choose the grace of God, to oppose it, to defeat it, and to say no, and to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. So my prayer and hope for all of you is that 
we as a church grow as a loving and supporting community where we are able to talk about these things and that we are able to share with one another how to walk in holiness, how to overcome sexual temptation. You see, this battle can be long, wearisome at times. It can wear us down in our Christian lives. But we should be encouraged knowing that we have a community where we can support each other in this area. So I know today I've spoken on quite a hard topic. Um, and I know it's probably something outside of your sermon series. But something that I think needs to be addressed in the life of the church. Something that we need to face head on. Uh, we can't avoid these topics. But I want to reassure you that if any of you have committed sexual, temptation, uh, sexual immorality, if any of you continue to struggle with this, there is forgiveness. There is hope. There is love in Christ Jesus. The gospel, the good news of Jesus is the only remedy that we have when it comes to sexual immorality. And only the gospel can bring grace and bring us this true cure when it comes to being sexually broken. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you have taught us in your word in Genesis about sexual union between husband and wife. You have taught us in Galatians that we now live by the Spirit and that by the power of the Spirit we can oppose the flesh that is within us. And Lord, you teach us that there is a better way out. You teach us there is a community and that you teach us that there is forgiveness and grace in Christ Jesus. So help us to overcome this temptation that we face. Help us to be an honest community, a loving community, where we're able to share with each other the struggles that we face and we're able to pray for one another genuinely and honestly. So help us, O God, when it comes to this topic. And help us to live lives of holiness. Help us to think of the way we act. Help us to think about the way we dress. And help us to live lives that point people to Jesus. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Ben, for sharing that message. Really appreciate that. And yeah, I can't you know, uh, read more how we don't really talk about that as much in Chinese churches or people with Chinese backgrounds.
um, provide services uh, for, uh, for the community for each other um, and have the gospel go out. So uh, please, please stand as we sing our last song and close out.
Hey, Father, uh, we should, uh, this, um, this, these offerings, um, we give to you with a cheerful heart, and we give you that in faith. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 20 to 21. And may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with every good that you may do working in us, that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. 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 Alright, so please just stick around with us, refreshments, catch up, and then we'll have some display 11.